Hey, it's not quite the DeLorean, but we're going back in time with a new podcast feed full of all my favorite interviews in the history of the Bill Simmons podcast. We're coming up on seven years now. I've had an unbelievable collection of athletes, celebrities, showrunners, directors, Matt Damon, Denzel Washington, Adam Sandler, Kevin Garnett, Shirley Theron, Tom Hanks, Bill Burr, Kevin Durant, Peyton Manning, The Undertaker, Eddie Vedder, Kyrie Irving. Yeah, he actually came on. Dave Grohl, Quavo, Barack Obama. I mean, what else can I tell you? I've had Al Pacino with Barry Levinson. I've had people like Steph Curry, Jason Bateman, John C. Riley, Jonah Hill. I could just, I could keep going and going. But wait, there's more. Whether it's your first time or you're planning on revisiting some of your favorites, make sure you head to BillSimmonsInterviews.TheRinger.com for the entire archive. You can sort by genre, year, and more to easily navigate all your favorite people. Follow the Bill Simmons podcast, The Interviews, on Spotify now. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome in. It's New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski. It is the latest. We have been starting a pod in quite a while as I look at the clock as we speak. It is 10 to 2 as we start this recording on a Friday morning. Hope everybody is ready for a big, action-packed, second-to-last summer weekend. Hard to believe we're talking about the weekend before Labor Day weekend, and that means we're getting closer to the football season. We're going to have Jordan Renan, who I love, over at ESPN. He's going to join us in a little bit, give you a sense and a feel for what's going on with the New York Giants as we get closer and closer to the start of the season. The preseason is almost over. Hallelujah for that. Preseason time, folks. It's almost as if every fan base can get suckered in to a couple of different storylines. Like, Everything I'm reading now, Saquon Barkley is going to have the best year of his life. Zach Wilson, when he comes back, is going to have the best year of his life. Oh, this guy's great. That guy's great. Ba 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 ba. It's preseason. You know when those narratives matter? 
week one, week two, week three. That's when they matter. But I'm stoked for football. I got my futures in. I got fantasy drafts coming up. We'll do our season preview probably the next week or the following week. We'll give you all our beaks. We'll give you thoughts on the Jets and the Giants. I'm not going to get grand takeaways from the final preseason game, which is a waste of everybody's time. But stoked for football to start. This weekend, it really hit me. It's really dawned on me that, holy smokes, we are here. It's late August in the football season. On top of everything that we have going on on this podcast, in this city, in this town, with the two baseball teams, we got football about to start. And if that doesn't fire you up, if that doesn't put a little extra pep in your step, I don't know what will. But you know what put a little extra pep in my step? Watch a big John Carlos Stanton return to the New York Yankees. And I hope and I pray that this weekend for them and this road trip for them against two dreadful teams, the A's, I am a big-time baseball fan. I think anybody who listens to this podcast knows I am a big-time baseball fan. I watch late night. I'm in these dopey three-strike pools. I got the fantasy team with Keenan. Like, I'm watching baseball. Yankees bets every night. And then I'm watching a bunch of other games. I'm like, A-Rod, basically. I'm like, A-Rod telling Jeter, well, you don't have the baseball package. Come on, let's go. The A's? I kid you not. I maybe knew about five or six guys on the team. Outside of the veterans, like outside of Tony Kemp and Stephen Vaught and uh, Murphy and maybe the guys the Yankees had, like Caprillion and Sears. I'm like, who in God's name are all these players for Oakland? They've gutted that team. That team is an absolute joke. I mean, that... That stadium is an absolute joke. The fact that in the Yes broadcast booth, Kay and Flaherty are talking about possums and and cats coming into the broadcast booth. I would be basically pissing myself if I knew that possums and cats were going to be crawling into the booth. I'd be like, what is going on here? So it's like a third world country, that stadium. It's a joke. Get to Vegas, be done with it. I feel for the people of Oakland, but uh, there's 2,000 people there. The highest payroll player is like $2.5 million enough. It's time to go. And the Yankees should absolutely beat the living daylights out of this team. They had a good couple of days against the Mets, and they go to Oakland, no letdown, no hangover, and they smoke them. Up and down the lineup, hits Kawar. Donaldson with a couple of hits. Benintendi with a couple of hits. Oswaldo Cabrera with a couple of hits. IKF with a couple of hits. Everybody had a couple hits, except for Aaron Hicks, who mercifully struck out and is getting booed by the Yankee fans that went out to Oakland. I mean, why Aaron Hicks is on this team, uh, I don't care what he's making. He is an absolute waste of space at this point. But it's great seeing Stanton back. He's a beast. His presence is going to make everybody in this lineup better. I don't expect his timing to be great right out of the gate, but it's good to see John Carlos Stanton doing his thing with Benintendi, and this Yankee lineup is closer to being full. Nesta Cortez injury. You know what it is? And I'm saying this lightly, and I'm hoping that I'm not putting a kibosh on this. Seems a little fugazi. And it seems rather convenient. And that's a good thing. Because the Yankees have a comfortable division lead. I don't think home field for them is realistic with the August that they had. And Nesta Cortez throwing the most amount of innings in his career. And the Yankees are at a point where they know, hey, look, we need this guy come October. We don't want to push him to where he is totally shot 
by the time we hit the postseason. And look, the Yankees should be handling Nesta that way. They do have the big division lead. They do have to think about that down the road. I'm fine if they're giving them a two-week blow. And that's exactly what it seems like. Great. Here's the problem. They traded away a starting pitcher who was pitching out of his mind for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I'm still waiting on Harrison Bader. That's my issue. Like, you make a move like that, you know that's coming down the pike. Jordan Montgomery being here would be nice, as opposed to now having to put Clark Schmidt in the rotation for at least a try or two. So don't make too much of that Cortez injury. That's my take on it. Now, the Mets, DeGrom back on the mound, Rockies in town. They need a big weekend here. There's no other way around it. They need a big weekend. And Thursday night, the stars align for the Mets. DeGrom is DeGrom. As Pete Alonso basically said after the game, DeGrom was great. Jake was great. Shocker. Yeah, of course. Of course. The guy is going to basically be a perfectionist. He's back close to where he needs to be from a pitch count standpoint. And the guy's a flat-out beast. Striking out people left and right. Doing Jacob DeGrom-like things. That's basically it. Alonzo hits the home run. You needed that on a 3-0 pitch. He had a rough couple of days against the Yankees. He's had a rough week, week and a half. Good to see Pete back on with the stick. Diaz in the eighth inning. Love it. Buck's done it all year. Buck is going to continue to do it against the meat and the heart of the orders. It'll be different in bigger games. He'll get five and six outs out of Edwin Diaz. Not doing that against the lowly Colorado Rockies, so you can let Adam Adovino finish it out. And the Mets go and win the first game of this series. They need to keep winning games. Because if you haven't noticed, the Atlanta Braves don't lose. Now, thankfully, the Braves were off tonight. So now the Met lead is back to two. They have the Rockies. The Braves have the red-hot St. Louis Cardinals. You would think this should be a weekend where the Mets can go and gain at least a game. Get a little breathing room within this division. You got Old Timers Day on Saturday. A lot of cool names going out. First time the Mets have ever done this. You got all your usual suspects. Doc's going to be out there. Ronnie Darling, Keith Hernandez, you name it. But then you got some weird ones. Like David Cohn going. As a, and I know he was a great Met. It's weird to me. Pedro Martinez going. is weird to me. So they, they pulled out all the stops for their Old Timers Day. And for you Met fans that have been clamoring for this team to embrace their history, it is refreshing to see that the Mets under Steve Cohen have done exactly that with the Seaver statue and just the way that the the ballpark and the franchise operates. Proud to be Mets. You should be. It's your franchise. It's your team. That was not the case under the previous regime. So... Met fans, enjoy your old-timers weekend and go and beat the crap out of Rockies. That's the theme of the baseball this weekend. Yankees against the A's, Mets against the Rockies. Go get fat. Go get fat, have a little dessert, cherry on top of the Sunday, and away we go. The final thing we're going to do here before we hit some voicemails. The New York Top 15 list made its way onto the pod, and it's made its way onto Twitter. And I noticed this year, not nearly as much animosity. And I think it's because I'm in the good graces of the New York Ranger fan. Who did I get the most shit from? Easy call. The Islander fan. Because they're mad. Mikey Carver said it to me. Why no Barzell? Why Jack Hughes? I had the super talented Madeline Burke, who I love. She does a fabulous, fabulous job. Um, she was asking why there's no NFL players on the list. And 
There's a legitimate reason for that. The NFL players don't belong on the list. Have you, have you seen the state of New York football over the last couple of years? Who's going on that list? I mean, I had a buddy of mine trying to make the case for, for Leonard Williams. I'm like, Leonard Williams, after the year he had, get out of here, please. Maybe Andrew Thomas is there next year. Maybe our guy Sauce Gardner or Elijah Moore is there. I don't know. But at this moment in time, nobody deserved on the top 15 list. And if there's an honorable mention, and listen, I, I, I can't put it there because I don't watch any W. I, I just don't watch WNBA games. INSQ is a stud. So maybe next year I just get her on the list for the sake of being on the list. So that's a good one. She is one that maybe I might have forgot about. But as far as everything else, like the football players, no. Didn't think twice about it. And anybody wondering why Jake was as low as he was? The guy missed the whole year. What, what, what am I going to put the guy number one or number two on a list? He didn't pitch it all last year. Last year we had him number one. But this is an August to August list. The guy basically had four starts. Can't put him two or three on this list. Can't put him ahead of Shesterkin or Max Scherzer for that matter. But I enjoyed it. You guys didn't hate me as much. So we'll take that into the second to last weekend of August. All right. When we come back, we'll do some voicemails. Then we'll have Jordan Renan from ESPN do all the giant stuff with him and put a little nice little bow on the weekend. All right. Voicemails up next. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. All right, voicemail time. The tweets are still coming in about the top 15 list. That's when you know you do it right. That's when you know. 917-382-1151. And one more thing on that. Enough with the folks from Western New York asking me why Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills are not on the list. Do, do we do Buffalo Bills breakdowns on this podcast? When they want to go and launch, uh, you know, Niagara Falls, Orchard Park, Spotify and the Ringer want to go in that direction, please do all the Buffalo Bills you want. We do more Syracuse on this podcast than we do Buffalo Bills. Please, please, please. All right, 917-382-1151. I have no idea where these voicemails are going today, so uh, it should be interesting. All right, Stefan, let's go. JJ, how you doing, man? It's Jack in Tampa. First-time caller, long-time listener. Really appreciate the show. New York, New York, really speaking for the true uh, New York sports fans all up and down the East Coast. Um, Listen, I just wanted to get into the Yankees a little bit in light of this Nestor Cortez injury news. I just don't understand what we're doing here. Uh, Cortez, Clay Holmes, Stanton. I know Stan's coming back tonight, but Clay Holmes, he's been on the shelf even though he's been stinking it up. But, you know, what, you know, are we just shelving guys for the playoffs here? I know we got a seven and a half game lead, but I mean, what happened to these old school Yankees? 
you know, pushing to win a hundred games every year, winning the pennant AL East every year. What what happened to that? Are we just, you know, smooth sailing, coasting into the playoffs with five, six weeks to go here? Um, it just really brings up a lot of questions with Boone and Cash and all the games they've been playing up and down, you know, throughout the years now. It's just, it's just when does it stop? They already dropped the ball this year, not getting Luis Castillo. I think they really should have got that guy. You see what he did against the Yankees in Seattle, absolutely shut us down. Um, you know, it, it's been going on for a while. We have absolutely nothing to show for it in Yankee universe here. I mean, October of 2020 was that fiasco pulling Davey Garcia for Jay Happ. How quickly we forget, but I mean, you know, we lose a five game series there. What, what, what a complete mismanage that was. October of 2021, not even a year ago, we're up in uh, Boston for a wild card game with our ace on the mound. Lose that one. What a joke that is. I mean, how can we sit here our August of 2022, you know, heading into these playoffs here in the next month or so, thinking anything's going to be different? Um, these, these guys for years have been thinking they can outsmart the league. You know, we heard Boone last year with the closing the gap comments. It's just all a bunch of garbage. I mean, how can we expect any different outcome uh, heading into this year's playoffs, trying to stay positive, trying to stay upbeat? But, I mean, these guys think they can outsmart the league, and they have absolutely nothing to show for it. No rings since 09. I mean, Anyway, just had to get that off my chest, man. Really appreciate the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Appreciate all the hard work. I'm out. Well, I appreciate the call. Um, I think your two points need to be separated. Yes, the Yankees have not won and have not gotten to a World Series since 2009. And you want to put blame on Brian Cashman for that. That's well within your rights. And there have been plenty of situations that have been mismanaged. You mentioned that 2020 game two. Uh, with Davey Garcia in the San Diego COVID bubble. Yes, that was absolutely mismanaged. That bothered me to no end. That was a mistake. The fact that they didn't have a lefties in the lineup, the fact that they were unathletic, these are all concerns that ended up biting the Yankees in the ass. I think they have corrected a lot of those. They are far more left-handed. They are far more athletic. They are a much better defensive team. So I have to acknowledge that. I have to give credit for that going into 2022 when you mentioned why it's going to be different. Those elements within the team are better. I'm not saying it's good enough, but they are better. Your point on Cortez, though, I couldn't disagree more. you got to be thinking bigger picture if you're the Yankees. Next Cortez has never thrown this amount of innings in his career. If you're up a game or two, it's different. you got a seven-and-a-half game lead over the race. you got a very manageable West Coast trip. This is a good time to give him a two-week blow. If that's what it is, and I'm hopeful that this is not some injury that's going to end up coming out that really ends up being a killer for the Yankees because they need Nesta Cortez. They need him in the absolute worst way. I don't think it's that because the Yankees have minimized it. Cortez basically says, yeah, I'm good. No big deal. The thing, a bigger picture. With a guy like that, I totally understand because he's too important. You need him in October, not as much at the end of August. Okay, who's next? JJ, Sean from Belmar. With a quick meta question about Glaber Torres, and hopefully the man makes me eat my words, but I'm starting to think that he's like one of those like dumb athletes. And I'm not talking like anybody's personal life. I'm not talking anybody personally. And, and you called it low baseball IQ, but I think you see it across sports. You see it in Westbrook, Russell Westbrook. You saw it. Uh, in Leon Lett, you know, like all the talent in the world, but you remember just playing the snow against you guys or BB in the Super Bowl. 
You saw it with Jabba. You saw it with A.J. Burnett. Like, I'm not saying you can't. Like, they won with A.J. Burnett. Million-dollar arm, 10-cent hit. Uh, Marcus Claiborne with the Jets. Just kind of like the Cowboys traded up for him, but he had this low Wonderlick score. He never really turned into the player they thought he could be. And I watched Glaber, and I watched him do dumb things. I watch him swing, you know, at the first pitch and hit into a double play after Judge works a four-pitch walk against Tampa. I watch him in that Mets series with the Alonzo play, and I see that dumbfounded look, and I see that dunderheaded look, and it reminds me, it's just, it, again, it's like Russell Westbrook, and then, like, Durant and LeBron are looking at him like, what is your problem? What the F, dude, you know? Like, you can't play with Kevin Durant for eight years and then just like not passing the ball in key situations and get the rebound and sprint down court and clang a three with 20, sh- 20 seconds left on the shot clock. It's just they do dumb things. Do you think that there is such a thing as the dumb athlete? And do you think that Gleyber Torres qualifies? Thanks, man. So that's a very interesting question. Like, I don't think Gleyber is dumb necessarily. I just think at times, baseball instincts, which I thought were very good for him when he first came up, they elude him. That's why I talk about baseball IQ, knowing the game, knowing the situation. When Aaron Judge walks to score a run, you should not be swinging at the first pitch. The play at the Subway Series the other night, when he inexplicably is trying to get Jeff McNeil off his second base with Pete Alonso stumble and you got to throw the ball home, is just It's totally inexcusable. Torres has been better, no doubt, from what he was last year. Basically, has the same amount of RBIs that he had last year. He has double the amount of home runs. But for a guy who came up back-to-back All-Stars, hit 38 homers and 90 RBIs in 2019, I think the reality is he's never going to be the guy and the player Yankee fans thought he was going to be. And I proclaim this. I couldn't have been more wrong. In 2019, watching the postseason, I thought Gleyber Torres was going to be the best Yankee. Because it looked like he had that it factor about him. Hitting in the clutch. Not being an all-or-nothing type of guy. Being able to get those big hits. He played great for the Yankees that year in the postseason. I don't think he's ever going to be that guy. He's been a good postseason Yankee, though. And my hope is a guy who hit 417 against the Twins, hit two home runs in the LCS against the Astros, and hit great 2020 in the playoffs. I mean, great against Cleveland, great against Tampa. He's going to show up if he's given the opportunity. But right now, Gleyber Torres, got news for you. He's got to earn the opportunity. He's got to earn it to play in the postseason. Because... When Matt Carpenter comes back, the way I see it, Mayu's in the lineup, Carpenter's in the lineup, probably is your DH. This assuming I get Stan out in the outfield. That's assuming I can go Stanton, Benintendi, and Judge as my three outfielders. That leaves Donaldson or Torres as the odd men out. That's how I drew it up against right-handed pitching. Easy call for me. All right, last but not least, let's hear it. What's up, JJ? Pete in Westchester here. Been a little while. I uh, hope all is well on your side. So, yeah, I just wanted to call about a couple things. Uh, first of all, the Giants, um, you know, I know it's too early to be complaining about injuries in the NFL. It's a fact of life. But, I mean, this team is just is just cursed, man. I mean, this injury bug has bitten us. We've 
Javon Thibodeau, we lost Aziz today. Colin Johnson was shining in camp and, you know, potentially a Galladay replacement there. Paul Target for Danny Jones, guy tears his Achilles. It's just like, where does it, when is it ever going to stop with this team, man? I'm telling you, Brady, Tom Brady put a hex on this team and it's not going to stop until he retires. And he came back one more year just to fuck with us a little bit longer with the new coach. So you know what? Tom Brady, go ask yourself. How about that? Um, real quick, next one here. <clears throat> um, curious. And I know this is a bit of an absurd question because one of, one of the outcomes is just so much more likely than the other. But if you could sign for one of these today and then one of them are definitely going to happen. Would you rather the Yankees win the World Series in October, or would you rather the Knicks win the finals next June? I've been thinking about this a lot. Obviously, I really, really want the Yankees to win the World Series this year. I mean, Yankees and Giants are my top two teams. But for the Knicks, man, it's been so long. It's been, you know, what has it been, 40-plus years since they've won a title? And we see what happens when the city, you know, when the Knicks are good and the city rallies around the team. It would just be it would be so dope for the Knicks to win the finals. So if you have to pick one, Yankees World Series, Knicks Finals, which one are you going with? All right, man. Thanks. Bye. I mean, considering that I've never seen the Knicks win a title or I've never seen the Dolphins win a title, that is obviously going to take priority. But we got to be real about this. There's no chance the Knicks are winning an NBA title next year. Zero. The Yankees are right there with the Houston Astros in the American League. So I got to live in the here and now. Yes, when you got a team that hasn't won for you before, that hunger, that thirst, it's different. It's different. Like, I, I can't imagine living in a world when the Knicks are playing in the Eastern Conference Finals and the NBA Finals. Like, when I was a kid, I grew up with that. Like, they were in the Conference Finals a bunch. They were in the NBA Finals twice, 94, and then, of course, in 99 against the Spurs. Now, it's like, second round, 2013 team gets celebrated like they won a championship. It's embarrassing, to be honest with you. I, I hope that standard changes at some point in time. But I'm focused on it here and now. Like, October playoff runs for each of these baseball teams where it's not total fantasy to say, hey, if things go right for my team, my team can win. And I know there are questions. The Yankees have their issues. The Mets have their own set of issues. Like I've said multiple times on this podcast, if I'm wagering on one right now, second to last weekend of August to go and win a World Series, I think the better bet would be the Mets. But that doesn't mean the Yankees can't go and win a championship. Getting Stanton back is huge. Getting Holmes back in that bullpen is huge whenever that happens. And getting Carpenter back is big. That, that is not being talked about nearly enough how much of a presence and how much of a fixture he was in that Yankee lineup. Like, they lost Stanton. Yeah, they took a dip. Obvious. They lost Carpenter. They took even more of a dip. A little food for thought. Jordan Renan, who I love. And I remember when he came up, he's been coming on my show for a long, long time, and now we got him back in the mix. Had him on right as the Giants were trying to hire a head coach last year. Well, now we're getting ready for the start of the year. So, We'll uh, wet the giant whistle. Jordan Renan of ESPN is up next. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. So believe it or not, 
We're a couple weeks away from the NFL season starting. I know because I got to sign up for the Super Contest next week. The fantasy drafts are in order. And thank heavens the preseason is going to be over. I'm so over training camp. I'm so over the preseason. I'm sure this guy feels the exact same way. You see him all the time on ESPN, covers the Giants inside and out. My main man, Jordan Renan. What's up, Jordan? Not much. You're, you're right, man. In the summer, you're just ready for the preseason. I mean, to end, like, just get to the regular season. Enough is enough already, you know, like get get us there to games that matter. Watching these preseason games is brutal once you get past like the first few minutes. It really is. I totally get it. For someone that's in the position that you're in, do you ever remember like having a grand takeaway that was like totally validated in watching preseason or one that you like you bought in or you completely got suckered into one and then like a week or two in a regular season, you're like, what the hell was I thinking? I can't really think of it. I'm obviously the one that comes to mind, and I wasn't there for it. It was Victor Cruz, so he obviously killed it in the preseason, and it actually meant something, and it carried over. Like, whoa, this guy could actually play, right? I mean, but I mean, every year, I mean, we're sitting here, we're talking about David Sills now, right? He was killing it today in practice. He shredded the Jets. But And I'm, I'm thinking, guys like him every year, like, he crushes it every year. Matt Lacoste every year was, like, the ultimate preseason guy. Kerry Wynn training camp in preseason they're like the quad a guys that are like good enough to like they're good enough to make the roster and good enough to shine in 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 training camp and preseason but then when you get to the regular season they're just like end of the roster guys and you really don't even remember who they are you remember you remember much about matt lacoste or carrie win no I, I do not so that basically tells you all you need to know exactly exactly so you came on the pod right before they hired Brian Dable last year. And we okay. talked about this. The vibe, the feel around the Giants was as bad as ever. It's been an awful, awful Jordan. Seven, eight years around the franchise. You're around the Terrible. team every day. And I know it's preseason and I know it's training camp and I don't want to get nuts. But does there seem to be a different vibe to the Joe Shane, Brian Dable, New York Giants? Let me say this, JJ. Here's the thing. And maybe I'm jaded at this point. But every time you bring in a new regime, everything is always fine and dandy, right? Everybody's happy. You haven't lost the game yet. You're totally bought into the coach because things haven't hit the fan. You know, the ish hasn't hit the fan yet. So everything's great. Everybody loved Joe Judge. I, I don't know if you remember the early part of Joe Judge. Joe Judge was the greatest guy alive. Jordan, he was team. basically getting keys to the city for beating the Seattle Seahawks in December when the team was three games under 500. Crazy. They went six They went six and ten, and the vibes were really good after his first year. Everyone loved Joe Judge at six and ten. Uh, Pat Shermer, same thing. And I had major concerns about Pat Shermer from the beginning because I actually knew him from uh, Philadelphia previously. And some of the problems he had in Cleveland, you just kind of knew weren't going to work when he was with the Giants. But, you know, when everybody comes in, everything's all fine. And then Pat Shermer was the adult in the room. Joe Judge was, you know, we finally, he's stern, he's hard, and we love that hard coaching. Now it's, you know, Dayball, he's super friendly, he's nice, you know, he's got this great personality. Now, the big difference that I will tell you that I recognize, and because I thought this from day one, I thought the general manager and Dave Gettleman was just, I just, Never bought into anything he was selling and doing. Even one of his first moves was at the draft. And he, like, bragged about this. I, I said at the time, I thought this was almost a fireable offense. 
He said when they were on the clock for Saquon Barkley, he told everyone not to pick up the phone. Like that's a fireable offense in my in my opinion, basically. Like if you're even gonna think like that, you're so close. What if somebody came and offered you the Ricky Williams deal? Bingo, no, and you could have gotten him anyway, maybe moving down phone. a pick or two. Precisely. Yeah, you could have easily moved down a pick. You knew the number the number three team wanted a quarterback. It was the Jets who drafted Sam Darnold, right? So if you know you're not gonna draft a quarterback, you could trade with a team that wanted, but anyway, you know, so the biggest difference get back to the original question, is that Joe Shane is competent. You could tell. You talk to him. You could look at his plan. I know you could look at him and say, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he keep James Bradbury? Because the smart thing to do for years, the day Dave Gettleman took over, was to rebuild and restock and start over and really get a, 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 shake up the, the whole entire roster. And finally, you see, that's basically what Joe Shane is doing. Now, this year is going to be an evaluation year. Right, everybody on the roster. You name the significant player is basically in a contract or prove it year. They're gonna tear this thing down and build it back up. They know the roster is not great now, and they're not gonna risk anything now to mortgage their future. Hence the James Bradbury move several months ago. So to me, that's the biggest difference. Totally get that. Totally feel that. Now Jones, it's a prove it year for him. They were so wise not to pick up that option because, hey. That was Joe, obvious. That was it was obvious. Move. I couldn't believe it. It was even like a debatable talking point. It's like, no, you're not picking up the option. If he can play and the team exceeds expectations, you're probably not third, fourth, sixth in the draft where you can go and get a quarterback. So let's see what he can do. And if he plays poorly, he's out and they get a new quarterback. You Pretty can simple, right? him or franchise him too. I mean, those are options like that's a great problem. If they have that problem, that's a good problem. Trust me, they'd love to have that problem. How has Jones looked? Has he looked more comfortable within the offense the last couple of days? I think the more we've gone on here, you've seen a more comfortable Daniel Jones. Uh, first of all, in two preseason games, it's against backups, but that's who we played against, so that's what we're looking at. I mean, I can't say hold it against him because he's playing against backups. He's completed 77% of his passes. JJ, 80% of your passes almost. I like, what can you say about that? He has no touchdowns, but an, inter and an interception. I think we all agree the interception, the coach flat out said it, the tight end, Daniel Bellinger should have caught the ball. Uh, so you could say the throw wasn't great, fine, but I don't think you're going to kill him for that. They let him, he let him down on a touchdown drive. So, and the last couple of days, you could tell. I mean, th there's been, there was a stretch where, he was going 5 and 15, 5 and 16 in practice. And I don't care what you're trying to do. That's that's not good, right? That's that's You're not completing a lot of passes. The ball's hitting the ground a lot. More and more, you're seeing complete passes, seem more comfortable in the offense, even though, you know, not getting a ton out of Kenny Galladay. Kadarius Tony's never on the field. Sterling Shepard's just coming back. Darius Slayton's injured. But you're seeing a better Daniel Jones. So I don't know how you look at that and take that as a negative. Now, I'm still in the camp, and everyone, I know the doubters out there, you're saying the same thing, you ha and you have to at this point. Until we see it consistently in a regular season, it all means nothing. But to see him play better as the summer went along, that's what you wanted to see. Okay. Barkley, last year, comes back off the ACL. Jordan, I was at the game in Miami. I, as a diehard Dolphin fan, was thrilled when he was at running back and Booker was on the sidelines because Booker looked better. He had more burst. He had more explosiveness, and Barkley just was a total zero for the Giants all year. He's another one of these guys. 
It's make or break time. He plays a demanding physical position. He blew out his knee. I understand that sucks, but hey, it's a results-oriented business. Are we getting closer to rookie year Saquon Barkley, or is he going to be the guy last year who, to be honest, you didn't want anywhere near the field, or is he somewhere in the middle? Last year, he was bad. There's no way around it. He played poorly. He's even talked about the fact that he didn't have confidence in his knee and his leg, and really himself, and you saw that. Like maybe the one game you saw Saquon feel good, uh, which was the New Orleans game. And then the next week he steps on Jordan Lewis's foot in Dallas and his season goes off the rails. And he was bad. I mean, there's a stat. It's like rushing yards per expectation. It's like the next gen stat. Basically, it compares every rush to like what an average rush would be. And he was basically net negative. So like he was basically even. I think he was a little bit negative, like negative 0.02 yards per carry. So he basically was an average running back. That's what that said. Like, basing on, like, that it includes your offensive line, takes all that into consideration. Now, you say, can he be more, is he more rookie year? And I explain this to people all the time. It's been three years since his rookie year. He's done pretty much nothing in those three years, right? I mean, fine. That that second season, he was all right. For, he was pretty good for the first half. But then, you know, when he came back from the ankle injury, he wasn't great. To expect a guy to basically three years worth of injuries to go back to the previous room. Tell me, name me the player who had has done that. Like I know Adrian Peterson's the one that comes to mind, but he didn't. He didn't miss that much time. He didn't miss he that much time. He's once. also a freak. That's the other yeah. thing, Jordan. He's a freak. This guy, two thousand yard rushing seasons for goodness sakes. Total. He's the total outlier. And anyway, he didn't miss. He basically didn't get injured multiple seasons. So to expect Saquon to be rookie year Saquon, I'm not sure that's even realistic. Now, can he be a really good player? Absolutely. He looks great this summer. He looks way more explosive, way more confident. You see the way he runs. It's a huge difference. Last year, he ran super tentative. And like you said, it made you not scared of him at all, right? You just knew he was going to dance and take a loss, basically. Uh, you know, if, if anybody was near him or in the backfield. So... You, I feel way better about him this year. He looks better. Remember, that this time last year, he wasn't even cleared from the knee yet. So he's still waiting to get cleared. This summer, he actually got to play. This offseason, he got to train. And you see a much healthier Saquon. But can he be a really good player? Yes. Can he even be a great player? Sure. I, I think rookie year Saquon, that shit might have sailed at this point. I, I really do. I, I have a hard time seeing that Saquon returning. So I get this a lot from Giant fans when they call the show and whatnot, Jordan, it's, we got to fix our offensive line. We got to fix our offensive line. Now, Dave Gettleman was really bad at his job. He tried to fix the offensive line. He failed miserably. So, he has a couple of holdovers. Thomas is still there. They go and add Evan Neal. State of the Giant offensive line. Business as usual or better? Better, but still somewhat concerning like they've a little banged up i don't really know where they stand at left guard at the moment uh their center is a stopgap in uh john feliciano has never been a consistent starting center in a league and evan neal you have to be realistic hey jj you're a dolphin fan right how many rookie tackles have you seen play uh, and the answer is probably a lot for the Dolphins. Last, a lot, like, and a years. lot of them not looked apart and were completely overmatched to the point where they finally now have this Jackson kid playing at like a decent level. 
Like the idea that he is a first round pick and I'm celebrating Jordan, <laughs> that he might be like the 20th best right tackle this year. That's like salvation, bro. Salvation. Well, that brings it. That's my whole point. A rookie tackle is tough, man. He's going to have his ups and downs this year. Like you see it in pass protection, especially now and early in camp, one-on-one drills again today. It's going to be a little rough with him this year. So you're still looking at, okay, right tackle is going to be a rookie. You're going to get rookie play. Uh, you know, Andrew Thomas is the, probably the best thing Dave Gettleman ever did. He looks like he's a solid left tackle in the league. But the, the rest of the line has its concerns. I always make this joke, and it's not even a joke anymore. It's so it's crazy. Year 10 of the offensive line rebuild. That's what the Giants are in. It's, it's ridiculous. Like that, they've been rebuilding the line since 2012, which was the year after they won that Super Bowl. And if you really remember, in the 11th Super Bowl, especially the cha- NFC Championship game, Eli got his teeth kicked in. And the line was really at, sort of near the end of the line at that point. So, yeah, I mean, they're a better run-blocking line than they're going to be pass-blocking line. So pass-blocking is still going to be up and down, But if and I'm, I'm sure you understand this. If they have an average line, like that's all you're hoping for, that's a big upgrade from what we've seen the last four, five, six, seven, ten years for the most part. I was stoked when they drafted Thibodeau because I just met him at the Super Bowl. The guy just oozes like alpha. Like there are certain guys I worry about New York with, and I understand he's going to have some things that he wants to get off his chest, but like I don't think he's going to be intimidated, and that's the kind of guy I'm looking for. Bummed about the injury, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like it's going to be a season-ender. The Giants should be super cautious. Um, What was your takeaway watching this guy in camp? Is he the real deal? Uh, I saw a guy that looked like he could be a really good player in the league. Now, I'm not saying, like, you know, certain guys you look at and they're just, like, freaks in their next level and they're super special. I don't, I'm not looking at that and seeing that. Like, I don't look out there and be like, oh, my God, he's just so much more talented than everybody on the field, right? And that's sometimes, usually, when you have a guy that's, like, a Top two or three picks, sometimes it's sad. Now he grants it, he's five. And that's why, Jordan, anyone who was making those dopey Lawrence Taylor comparisons is an idiot. Oh, I mean, I heard crazy. those on draft day. It's like, can you let the kid play, for goodness sake? I mean, Come I'm just on. thinking even like the Bosa's and Chase Young's of the world. Like, to me, and you talk to people around the league, they they totally agree with this. They thought those guys were different level prospects than Kayvon Thibodeau. Not that he's not good. So I see a really good player, and he looked like he showed a lot of good things this this summer that I look at it and say, this guy's going to be a really good player. The first step is really good. Uh, his moves, he's a little more refined than I probably even thought he was, which I, which was kind of one of my biggest concerns about him. So uh, he needs to probably get a little bigger ultimately, I think, to, to maybe play with a little bit more power. But, uh, yeah, you see, you see really good signs. I, I was impressed by him this summer. He was in the backfield a lot, and I think he has a really, really strong future with the Giants. And, and like you said, to not be super cautious with him would be just a huge mistake and stupid. Like, Malpractice. Malpractice. Yeah. So what's a realistic timetable, Jordan? Week three, week four? Yeah, I think if you're if you're talking about, so the timeline was three to four weeks, right? But that was at the three-week mark from the start of the regular season. So to bring him back in three weeks just is foolish to me. Like, he, you have to think way more big picture when you're talking about a guy who's the fifth or Like, if he misses the first two games of his his regular season career, does anybody care? No. Like, in the big picture, does that matter? Michael Strahan barely played in his first year. Do you give give a darn if Michael Strahan, what Michael Strahan did his rookie year? No. So, be careful. Yeah, I think 
maybe like the first two games, sitting out the first two games is a, is a realistic thing. Maybe back week two, you know, three, I think three, I think seems like the right spot where, okay, they can get him back and then build him back up for a couple weeks before he gets on the field for a game because you can't risk him playing compromised the rest of the year. You just can't. So I work with a couple of guys. You may know one of them. He is the uh, the founder of The Ringer. He is the uh, the mogul himself, Bill Simmons. And our guy, Raheem Palmer, does the gambling show with me. Jordan, we're doing previews like of each division from like a wagering standpoint. And mm-hmm. I got Raheem, who I love. He's a smart guy. He's good, better. And I got Simmons trying to make a case to me that the Giants have good value to win the division. I'm like, guys. Do you see what's going on with the franchise? They're gunning this bad boy. Come on. And I think their logic is, Jordan, they're not believers in the Cowboys, which I totally understand are not as good. They still have questions about Jalen Hurts. So do I, even though I think Philly, pound for pound, has a superior team to the Giants. I think Daniel Jones, if he was on the Eagles, would be a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I don't disagree with that. Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball. I mean, you saw it in that playoff game against Tampa. He can't throw the ball. I saw it when he played the Giants. Go watch the games he's playing against the Giants. Four interceptions, he's going to throw seven in that game. Yeah. And and then you got Washington. Do you see any path for a surprise season for the Giants this year? I honestly, I see a better path for Washington. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I don't even like Wentz, but I like the coach and they got experienced talent. Yeah, I think they really do. They have a really, they have a talented roster. I granted, I have questions about their quarterback too. Which is why you could be sitting here making this argument because we don't trust any of their quarterbacks except for Dak, really, in the division. But man, yeah, I get the, the only path that I see the Giants having is just having ridiculous health in regard and luck with regards to health. And what you see in this summer, it's hard to buy into that at this point, right? Because this is the biggest problem with the Giants roster, and I and I see why people on the outside who aren't looking at it that closely can see it. If you look at just their starters, you're like, okay, you know, they have some, they have potential, they have talent. If a few things turn their way, this team could be really good, right? If Kadarius Tony plays, if uh, Saquon Barkley comes back and is really like even like 75, 80% of what he once was, and if that line's decent, Daniel Jones can be good. And then they have Thibodeau and, and you know, uh, Leonard Williams and Aziz Ojolari is a nice player. The problem is the depth on this team is so troubling. I mean, this roster is as thin as I've ever seen it. And I've seen some bad years the last eight year, eight, nine years. So to say that is actually saying a lot. I mean, any injuries at certain positions, they they have really nothing behind saying. Dory Jackson goes down. Who's playing end. corner for them? Nothing I have no at, idea. They only have one cornerback that you trust. Like literally I have zero, I have almost zero confidence in Aaron Robinson at this point. Uh maybe he proves me wrong, but I mean, we got to see it on the field in in live game experience so yeah i mean you could go the whole secondary is super thin like they're still picking up guys in the secondary left and right linebacker thin uh tight end they they really have nobody even from the at the top i mean they're they're they don't even have bodies at tight end behind saquon uh nothing right even wide receiver we see all these names but they're all banged up can you trust Kadarius tony what are you going to get from Kenny Gallaudet? Huge question. I have serious doubts about that. Maybe he's just still turning on when the regular season comes. We'll see. Uh, but just Sterling Shepard coming back from a serious injury. A lot of injury history there. So, like, do, they have names at wide receiver, but who is actually 
can stay healthy and play at a really high level, I have major concerns. So if they go eight and nine, I think that's a great season. I think they have a great season. Totally that, agree. They go eight and nine. They they go go I don't care how soft the schedule is, Jordan. That's a great season. Seven and ten is good for them. But And so when you say to win the division, I find it really hard to find that as a realistic in their range of outcomes at this point. They haven't had a winning season since 2016, you know? So I don't know. Let's take one step at a time. Washington, on the other hand, I think their roster is really good. If they get half-decent quarterback play, that's the team in the division I looked at that could surprise. Really, really good front seven, like super talented on defense. And then they actually have a talented group of skill position players now. I like their running backs. I like McLaurin. I like Dotson that they drafted. I really think Washington is the one, especially with Tyron Smith going down. That's a huge blow for Dallas. That's the team that I think has value in the division, maybe more than the Giants. Jordan Renan, check him out all the time on ESPN. There's a ton of fun targets of Giant football. Jordan's a big Yankee guy, though, because we uh, we talk from time to time. Um, biggest X factor for them, if they're going to get to the World Series, and right now, you don't like their chances. I don't like their chances. Yeah. But if they're going to get there, who is the guy you have circled that says, got to step up? I've been talking about it for the last like three or four years. Their problem is their line. They don't and score I, in the playoffs. Totally agree. It's been their problem. Everyone always gets stuck on starting pitching. Their starting pitching is not the, has not been the problem. I don't even think it's the problem now. It's can they hit enough? And in order to do that, I wanted Ben Attendee. I think he's the perfect guy for the playoffs. Look how different they've been the last week when he started hitting. He's the perfect playoff guy. Puts his bat on the ball, has speed, you know, hits for a decent average, has a high on base percentage. That's the kind of guy that can make a major difference, in my opinion. Of course, obviously, you need Aaron Judge to be an Aaron Judge. But, yeah, that's the guy to me. If he does what he was supposed to do, and that's why I don't even care almost what he does now, like in the regular season. If he's bad in the regular season, fine, whatever. But if he produces in the playoffs, that's literally what they got him for. Let's go. Buddy, thanks for a few minutes. We'll see you week three for the Giant Cowboys standalone Monday night. We'll be out there for that one. And uh, Let's go. hopefully hopefully there is like a like Thursday or Friday off day where we could get you on the golf course. Because I know that's Ooh. tough during the season, but we're going to have to set that up. All right. How about Tuesdays? Mondays and Tuesdays. Tuesdays okay. in September sound appealing, Jordan. Yeah, the, wife, like the, the, wife, the wife's not going to be like, okay, on Fridays. I don't know about that. No, I understand. You know, happy wife, <laughs> happy life. I get it. Thanks, Jordan. Appreciate it. You got it, man. Anytime. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jordan was into it, man. And listen, I know Simmons and Raheem are trying to make a case to me for the New York Giants to win the division. Way too many question marks. Way too many what ifs. Like, if I'm finding a team in the NFC East to make a case for, we're in agreement there. It's Washington, the football team, the, the commanders, whatever the hell they're calling that team these days. They got a better roster than the Giants. They got a deeper roster than the Giants. That's a value bet I would make. Washington, even with Carson Wentz, who I can't stand, over the Giants? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, 
We will have a same-game parlay. Yankees A's. Late night special. I can't call it a happy hour special. This is the close down the bar special. Call on the mound. A couple of different ways we could play this. Today would have been a great night for a same-game parlay because aside from home runs, everything was going to hit. Yankees scored a gazillion runs. Everybody had a hit. And they won. And the game went over. Easy over tonight. All thanks to the Yankee lineup. All right, Jeff Money. We got a same-game parlay. What do you got in store for Friday? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This is going to be for tomorrow, Friday the 26th, and we got a Saturday game on the 27th. Let's start out with Friday the 26th tomorrow. I'm going to go with the Cleveland Guardians plus the 105 over the Seattle Maris, and I'm going to dabble a little bit on the college football now starting. So on Saturday the 27th, I'm going to take Utah State minus the 26.5 over Connecticut. Again, two plays. On Friday, going to take the Guardians in baseball plus the 105. And in college football, I'm going to take Utah State minus 26 and a half. And everyone can always follow all my daily plays on Twitter at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Let's go, Jeff Money. You are so right, my friend, that we have a week zero in college football on August the 27th. You got Nebraska Northwestern. That's a high noon special. May have to get involved with that. What other games do we have that are of use? Nevada, New Mexico State, Vandy, and Hawaii. Oh, man, that is a peasant, peasant, peasant slate of college football. And will I probably dabble in at least two or three games? Yeah, I probably will. I absolutely will. Because we're getting close to that time of the year. And then next weekend at this time, think about it. Next weekend at this time, Jeff Money will be giving us Labor Day college football picks. And I love that Saturday. That Saturday, I am off. I'm probably going to play golf in the morning. I'm going to down a thousand beers and I'm going to watch college football all freaking day. Mixing that with a little baseball, it's, it's the best. And then the next weekend, the main event, week one in the NFL. What a freaking time to be alive. I love this time of the year. I'm sad summer's coming to an end. Trust me, I love my glow. Love the weather. I love summertime. But September and October in New York City, with the baseball teams being good, with football back, it's the best. And I'm going to ride the Cleveland Guardians for you tomorrow with Bieber on the mound. So, same game parlay. Friday, FanDuel Sportsbook. We got a pod coming up on Sunday. I'm working on a dear friend of mine for the show. He's like 90% in. So, I'll... Hopefully have official confirmation on Sunday. I think he's going to be joining us, and he's always worth the price of admission. That's all I'm going to say. He is always worth the price of admission. He will be joining us. And then, by the way, Sunday we do a pod, and then Monday I got to go to Vegas. Me and the great Raheem Palmer are signing up for the Super Contest. I got Bally High lined up. I got the win lined up. Encore, Art the Caesar, and James Alperino will be out there. All the heavy hitters. So can't wait for Vegas. Never know what's in store for Vegas. It's like a 48-hour Vegas set, so anything can happen. Good work, Stefan. JJ signing off. Enjoy your weekend. We'll chat Sunday. Be good, everybody.